2: Hey everyone, this is Dave Caban of the Road of His Fantasy Football Podcast. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to take a brief moment to remind you to check out Indochino. RJ Barrett sported a pink Indochino suit to the NFL Draft, and you should be rocking Indochino as well. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Just choose a fabric, pick your customization, submit your measurements, and that's it. Your order will arrive at your door in two weeks. And right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering BlueWire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of three ninety nine dollars or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. Devontae Parker goes off, Darius Geis almost scores 30 points, and Cole Beasley realizes his revenge against the Cowboys. We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Hey everyone, welcome to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. This podcast is brought to you by my bookie Indochino ShipStation and Harry. That's a lot
1: of sponsors there.
2: <laughs> that is a lot of sponsors. Again, as I've said though, there are just so many people sitting there on the edge of their seats waiting to get those Matthew Friedman takes that it just makes sense <laughs>
1: of course I mean uh it's a cornucopia of sponsorship and uh we hope to bring the goods after Thanksgiving
2: I think that we will a uh, quick reminder go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast and take advantage of that 10% off well Actually, the prices have recently changed on the site, so I can't say at the current point in time if it's truly 10% or not. But the point is, you probably want to go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast and check out that option for the podcast listener-only subscription. Go do that right now if you are not yet a subscriber. But more importantly, Matt, how was your Thanksgiving?
1: Uh, it was pretty good. Uh you know, relatively relaxing. I mean, still did some work, but at a more relaxed pace and we put up the Christmas tree. Um we always have the tradition of uh watching Elf um while that's happening. So uh yeah, and then after that, uh, the Christmas tree still wasn't uh finished with so uh Harry Potter was put on. Anyway, it was uh, it was a good little day. Oh nice.
2: Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Um I have to ask. Um is the watching of elf and whatnot is is that a tradition that was started with just your wife um did you have any traditions that you did as as a child or is this uh all new yeah
1: so that was um the tradition with the wife i think that got yep. started i i can't really even remember the first time that happened um you know i'd say you know within the past 10 years <laughs> i mean you know whatever uh just trying to yep. think about that but um the let's see the traditions for childhood um, eat a ton of food and watch the cowboys win Thanksgiving day games. That was pretty much it, yep, yeah you know?
2: yeah yeah all right, fair enough. Um, we, we do the tree and the house setup and whatnot the the day after uh, Thanksgiving too. I think we did it as a kid and I've carried that through yeah um, so no elf yet, but I'm looking forward to when my daughter's old enough to enjoy elf, um, which I don't think will be that long but um, nonetheless matt there is no pie left at my house it was all cleared out and actually i was working from home today due to tons of snow in the new england area and my wife brought down to me the last piece of pecan pie my daughter came down too and asked if she could have some which essentially turned into her to her eating the whole piece of pie and me getting the one bite of it (laughs) so it's it's a ringing (laughs) endorsement for having kids yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't let the, the pie consumption turn anyone away from having kids. But uh, the pie is all gone. Thanksgiving is behind us, which means we are, for many people, beginning the fantasy playoffs. The thing that I really want to start off with, though, before we fully move off of Thanksgiving, uh, let's just start right ahead with your Cowboys. We all know they lose. Cole Beasley! <laughs> With the revenge game, least 23 points on the Cowboys as the Bills roll to a victory.
1: Yeah, I don't really have anything to say, except this was uh, very foreseeable. The Cowboys, under Jason Garrett, uh, against the spread, I believe now are 1-8 on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, that's a trend that I think actually makes some sense if you just kind of think about the market dynamics that surround Thanksgiving Day games, and then also just how the Cowboys tend to do uh when they are favored at home so anyway uh yeah betting against the cowboys on thanksgiving day at this point that's also a tradition for me um so you know uh, hate to see them lose but uh at least it wasn't as painful as it could have been
2: another pretty good game from josh allen uh who we talked about recently we haven't talked about jason Witten though on the dallas side of the ball uh he scored 18 In the Thanksgiving game, he has four tight end one games on the season. What are your thoughts on Witten? Is he going to return next season if he does? Is he a viable fantasy option? I mean, overall, he has been pretty surprising.
1: Uh, I mean, I hope he doesn't return. Um, I mean, I know he has. I I think it's a statement of like it's reflective of how bad the tight end position is that Jason Witten has had four tight end one finishes. Like, I don't think it really says much about him. Um, And those finishes are pretty correlated with touchdowns scored. You know, so basically, if he scores a touchdown, he has a pretty good chance of finishing as a tight end one. Um, I I don't really view, view him as someone that I would ever want on my fantasy team or at this point, my real life team.
2: Perfectly fair. A player that's probably going to generate a more significant conversation <laughs> did it just take Devonte parker a long time to develop 29 uh he ranks 29 in points per game had two touchdowns 159 yards against the eagles who really decided not to show up but we're now seeing Devonte parker have a number one fantasy player overall week he's been fairly usable this season what's going on here
1: yeah I mean, I think part of it is that um he had injuries the past couple of seasons, and uh you know that kind of derailed what he was able to do. He wasn't getting consistent playing time. I don't think he was ever with a coaching staff that really like one believed in him um because like they weren't the ones who drafted him, but then also a coaching staff that um developed him or nurtured him uh and then now it's in a situation with Parker where He's just getting so many targets because there's almost no one else to throw to in that offense. And they have to throw the ball because they are often trailing uh, and also because they just can't run the ball at all. So um, it's kind of a perfect storm scenario for him. Um, I don't know if this means that he's actually someone you can count on moving forward, Uh, you know, like in future seasons, like he's actually finally developing. Or if uh, this is just an outlier, but uh, I don't know. I always had a really high opinion of him entering the NFL, and um, even though he hasn't been productive, he's always been one of those guys that I've sort of kept my eye on. Uh, you know, like in like a dynasty format. Like, uh, I wonder if now's the time to try to buy low on him, or you know, like if I buy low on him, uh, am I actually buying too high and he's just going to be out of the league in a year? Um, so, like, it's nice to see him actually doing something with the opportunities, and then getting the opportunities in the first place, because under the Gates regime, like he wasn't getting the opportunities.
2: Yeah, and I think we do need to keep sight of the fact that his best games have come, uh, largely at least since Preston Williams went out for the season. But I do think that it is worth noting when there is a situation that he could be successful in, he has been fairly successful, which is more than we can say about a player. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it. Player that the Bears drafted very high, uh, who was like, you know, arguably the number one dynasty pick that season. Why can't I think of his name? At wide receiver out of. um,
1: Oh, Kevin White. Yes. Okay. Thank
2: you, Kevin White. Right. So Kevin White, I feel like did have opportunities and was really never able to do anything. Devontae Parker, I think, had been kind of placed in situations that weren't really conducive to prospering. <laughs> Um, but I do think it's fair, like you said, to question how much of this is just the necessity of the team. And then also, is it possible that some of this comes from playing with Brian Fitzpatrick as well? Perhaps if we change the equation at quarterback for the team, which who knows how things are gonna shake out in Miami, we're not looking at as solid of a situation. So all of this leads me to saying I think that next season. Parker could still be a flex type of player, but I'm not really convinced that we're ever going to see much more from him than this, unless things drastically change in Miami.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's fair. Um, I'm probably going to be a little more optimistic on him than I should be, because I still think like relative to other guys who have had outlier type of seasons, like... Um, like guys who were relatively talentless, but just got a whole bunch of targets because there were no other options like uh, Harry Douglas one season in Atlanta, like he had a thousand yard season with, you know, like two or three touchdowns or, um, yep. uh, Brian Hartline, you know, like he had 2000 yard oh seasons with the yep. dolphins back in the day. But like, I, I didn't really have a high opinion of him. Like I actually do have a high opinion of Devonte Parker um just because of what he did in college his you know his physical profile his draft pedigree um I don't know I'm I'm a little more interested in him
2: okay I think that's fair I think the takeaway that I could I could leave us with to find some middle ground is I think that you know he's at least you know a decent maybe not a good receiver but I think we could say you know he's he's all right he's decent Uh, a lot of it really will just depend on the situation moving along my boy. Darius Geis scores 28 points while sharing the field with Adrian Peterson. This is what we were expecting from Geis. You go back a couple of years ago, coming out of school, we really liked him. We thought that there were a number of things in his game that would translate. And from what we've seen of him in NFL action, it is certainly translating. Of course, Adrian Peterson returns in 2020. Do you think we have any window or insight as to what Washington might do with their usage next season? Uh, over the weekend, Peterson had thirteen carries. Geis had ten. The usage has been pretty even. Could we confidently say that things are going to change next season?
1: Uh, confidently, I mean, probably not, because we just we have no idea who the coaching staff is going to yep. be, and you know, we just we know nothing. Um, I think there's a chance Adrian Peterson retires um, or, you know, he's maybe cut or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we at least saw one coaching staff last year in week one, um, you know, have Peterson as an inactive just because they wanted to give Darius guys the full workload and Peterson adds nothing as a uh, utility player. So, um, I don't know. I I think it's possible that if guys enters camp fully healthy, um, Adrian Peterson just, Actually, doesn't have a role on the team.
2: I think that Geis is probably more explosive at this point, but we have been surprised at how solid Peterson has been. I'd like to think, though, that if the team is going to give Geis more of an opportunity, there's some dimension to his game that he can provide. That Peterson, Conant, I think if Peterson's there, we're probably going to see a situation where Geis begins to control more of the backload work as the season moves along. I I don't think, though, that you can bank on him completely phasing him out. Like you said, though, a lot of that will depend on the coaching staff. But I do think that Geis remains one of those guys in Dynasty that you should be looking to acquire. Are you on board with that? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think um, yes, but I think at this point it's almost impossible to acquire Guys because who, yeah, whoever has had him has had to stick with him to this point. Um, you know, like through the injury last year through the injuries at the beginning of the season. Uh and now that he's finally flashed, like I don't think they're looking to sell. I think like they have dollar signs in their eyes.
2: Yeah, that's a fair point. We talked about another player a couple episodes ago where we came, basically came to the same conclusion. I forget if it was guys, but that's probably true. Um you may also remember I have talked about how my strategy in many uh dynasty leagues has been to roll with Nick Foles and Joe Flacco as my quarterbacks. So I finally get Nick Foles back. In one league, I had just I had resorted to either going with no quarterback or trotting out Taysom Hill. I get Nick Foles back. I'm feeling really good about this week. Still have an outside chance of making the playoffs, despite that it's a two-quarterback league and I had no quarterbacks all season. I get Nick Foles in. And I actually lose the matchup, and I'm going to miss the playoffs thanks to Nick Foles' negative points.
1: Really? Then, the, if you had just started no quarterback, you would have made the playoffs. Correct. So if I had, That's if amazing. I still had
2: no healthy quarterback to go with, I would have been better off.
1: Oh, that is amazing. Um,
2: yes that is a tale for the ages. yeah I mean
1: sorry to hear about that but uh, actually not <laughs> not really I'm, I'm happy to, to hear that that happened to someone because it's uh, so funny
2: uh, yeah yeah it really is um, but it, this does bring us to a, a more worthwhile conversation here which is Foles is going back to the bench now Gardner Minshew will be returning under center for Jacksonville as far as owners of DJ Chark, Chris Conley, maybe D.D. Westbrook go, what should they do in round one? I don't think they need to be too concerned. I think there's been enough of a body of work with Minshew to determine what we could expect from them. Are you on board with that?
1: Yeah, I think yeah the, the transition from Foles to Minshew I don't think is that big of a deal. I think the bigger deal is the matchup. Um, they're playing the Chargers this weekend. Uh, I would expect that Casey Hayward Jr. would probably shadow uh, DJ Chark. Um, and that's not that great of a matchup. And then, um, DD Westbrook is going to be running in the slot against Desmond King, who, you know, isn't playing as well as he did last year when he was an all pro slot defender, but he's still playing pretty well. So it's, it's like a negative situation for both of those guys. And like, if you have Chark, you have to play him. Um, just, you know, because of his ability. But it's, I don't know, I think you kind of have to um, diminish your expectations for him.
2: That, that, that's certainly a fair perspective. Now, I've been meaning to ask you all season, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, Matt does a piece each week, which is focusing on the uh, cornerback-specific matchups against wide receivers. Having been going through that process so often now, where do you stand on how much emphasis you place on the matchups?
1: Um, it would be pretty nihilistic of me to say that I place no emphasis on a matchup. No, um, <laughs> I don't know. I, so my thinking is that um, it would be it, at this point, especially this far into the season, it's all kind of reflected within the numbers of what teams have allowed for the most part. Um, yep. So I... I would say like I use it as a a tiebreaker, maybe like if I'm thinking about a scenario between two different players, but um, at this point, it should probably be all reflected in the numbers anyway.
2: That makes a ton of sense. Um, So we're going to take a quick moment to listen to a word from a couple of our sponsors and we will be right back. The holiday rush is here. You have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably, but how do you keep track of all those orders, decide which shipping carrier to use, or if you're getting the best rates? Answer is simple. You use ShipStation. ShipStation can help you with managing orders, printing labels, and getting products to doors with just a couple of clicks. It's no wonder that ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You will ship more in less time at the best rates available. the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease just use my offer code blue to get a 60 day free trial that's two months free of no hassle stress free holiday shipping just visit shipstation.com click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in blue that's shipstation.com enter offer code blue ShipStation. make ship happen the holiday season is here. If you have no idea what to get for your dad, your brother, your significant other, go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire. Nothing says practical and thoughtful like a Harry's razor. And right now, listeners of this show can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com forward slash blue wire. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Holiday sets start at just $20, that's within Secret Santa limits, and Harry's Blade refills are as low as $2 each, so your recipient will save money over time. They will save lots of money over time. It comes ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box. 1% of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations, which is really cool. And as a special offer for fans of this show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off any shave set, including their really cool limited edition holiday sets. When you go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire, plus you'll get free shipping Each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted handle, the option to engrave, five blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, and it's all packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. Free shipping ends on December 16th. I repeat, free shipping ends December 16th, so act now. Just go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire. That's harrys.com slash blue wire. Okay, back at it. Let's talk about the Steelers quickly. Uh, It's very odd to say, but they could make the playoffs, which feels very odd uh, given the season that they've had. James Washington, four receptions for 111 yards and a touchdown playing with Hodges yesterday. If Juju misses more time, do you think that fantasy owners could trust him In their starting lineups, as we move forward, he has a somewhat favorable matchup against Arizona
1: next week. Uh, Okay. So what's interesting is that James Washington, um, previously he's played outside, but uh, this week or last week he played in the slot. And I think they're probably going to have him play there again. And what's kind of interesting about that is uh, against the Cardinals, he would now face Byron Murphy, who last week. Uh, played in the slot for the first time all year after playing uh on the perimeter and uh like Murphy profiled more as a slot cornerback when he was entering the league just because like he's agile but he's not very fast and he's like more of a technique cornerback than like an athletic cornerback um but like that said um you know he's moving into the slot where he hasn't played in the n f l and, uh, he's allowed, I believe more touchdowns than any other cornerback, uh, at this point in the season. So I think it's a pretty nice matchup for James Washington. Um, I would, I would definitely be playing him this week. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go back to the beginning
2: of the episode right now. And with a follow-up question that I, I wanted to ask and it just hit me again, which Harry Potter
1: movies did you guys put on? Uh, it was the first one. Uh, that's the first yeah one. that's not always the one that like we would yep. start with if we were like oh hey let's just you know kind of like for the next you know two weeks or whatever let's just have some harry potter movies on but um yeah you know just kind of like a traditionalist yeah. you know start at the beginning yeah so you will
2: watch through now all of them before you cycle back to going back to uh
1: one. no i kind of doubt i like i think we're probably yeah done with it you know for a little bit. Okay. Okay. I mean, the good thing about the, um, the Harry Potter movies is that most of the time they always have like a Christmas section in them, right? so it can right. still feel kind of like a holiday movie.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree with that. I could, I could talk now, about all the different occasions of which I have likened one of the Harry Potter stories too, but we, we won't go through that now. I will say, though, I have a hard time as of late convincing my wife to watch any of the Harry Potter movies because we've watched them so many times. Um, this might give me a new avenue to, to working that in anyway for those of you out there more concerned with fantasy football in weeks one through six Nick's, nick chubb averaged 22 points since week eight he's dropped down to 14 weeks one through six he had four rb1 performances since he's had just one does kareem hunt have anything to do with this
1: yeah i think so i mean kareem hunt is siphoning carries away and definitely siphoning targets away Um, it's at the point where the Browns are, you know, for some of the snaps playing them on the field at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, Kareem Hunt is a, I mean, what would we say a top 10 running back talent? I mean, based on what he did in his you know, first season and a half in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, it would make sense that if there's another guy like that on the team, even though Chubb is a top 10 talent, the other guy who is just as good as he is, And honestly, maybe a little bit better because he's a better receiver that that guy would get some of the work. So, yeah, I I think it makes sense that we're seeing less from Chubb because there's another really good runner now available.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and I think the important thing here with Hunt is he can run and receive at a high level this isn't a situation where you have a really good back and then a really talented receiving back that comes in i think you can make a case that hunt could be used in any situation in the same way that chubb is so it's really short-sighted if you're trying to ignore the fact that hunt uh not only can take but probably should take a significant chunk away from chubb are they the most talented duo of backs in the nfl
1: yeah i mean i would. I would be hard pressed to think of another group. Um, I mean, I would say like it's not if if Sony Michelle actually lived up to his <laughs> draft, not to like bring it back to Sony Michelle, but like if if he yeah. were actually living up to his draft position and he looked like the guy who was, you know, just running through massive holes uh in the, the playoff run last year, uh, then maybe you could say Michelle with James White. You know, because yep. like they really cover everything that you would want out of a backfield duo. Like maybe they would be the most talented. But yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's got to be Chubb and Kareem Hunt. If, if yeah, not, I, if not I those cannot two, disagree. Who, who do you think it would be? Like
2: the couple of names that popped in might actually Michelle and White did pop in. I don't think you can actually make a case. It's like you said, if Michelle lived up to what he was supposed to be, you could maybe make a case for Kamara and Latavius Murray. Yeah, perhaps.
1: yeah that's a good one.
2: Um, I'd like to say Todd Gurley and Daryl Henderson, given how excited (laughs) I was about Henderson, but, uh, that hasn't come to fruition. I don't really see any other backfields you could point to. I mean, mean, Aaron Jones and James Williams are good, but neither of them is on that Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt level. I don't think so. You
1: could maybe stretch and say Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. If you think that those two guys are actually talented and better than the production that they've given this year. Which, yeah,
2: well, I mean, yeah. I think we're kind of late in the game on Bernard.
1: Yeah, I mean, we are, but I think he's actually probably still a good receiving back. You know, like, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, I'm saying that's a stretch anyway. Like, I would say it's, it's right. clearly Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I, I will agree with that. Um, before the season, we talked about how the Green Bay wide receiver slots in fantasy are not what they used to be. Aaron Rodgers has had some solid games, had a good game over the weekend. Has your perception changed on that statement that we made heading into the season or are you holding firm on it?
1: Uh, I still think that's right. I mean, Devontae Adams is getting his, um, even though Alan Lazard had, you know, a hundred yard game last week, he got that on, I believe just three targets, you know, like, you know, he wasn't heavily, he wasn't heavily targeted, even though he was out there running routes. But um, you know, they're splitting they're still splitting the work between five guys. Like Adams is the one guy who's always out there, and then Allison and then Lazard, but uh Kumaro and MVS, like they are still playing like a not insignificant number of snaps. Um, so there's just kind of less production to go all the way around with those other four guys.
2: I completely agree with that, and I think the thing that it really comes down to is we have not seen any one of those options in the Green Bay receiving court other than Adams not only string together a two or three, four-game stretch of significant production or significant targets, um, let alone you know maybe a half a season. It's just been very up and down for all of them, and you have not been able to point to on a weekly basis that option that's going to get, say, seven or eight targets, even when Adams was out with injury, it was still rather difficult to pinpoint. So for that reason, there could be a lot of value there, but it's just a, a rotating door, so to speak, so much. I don't know if that even makes any sense, but you get what I'm saying, that it really does detract from the value that's there. It's not like we used to have where Randall Cobb was the entrenched number two and the offense was really running through him and Jeff Janis. So until they decide to really solidify somebody in that number two role, I think we can stick with that statement.
1: I I think you just said Jeff Janis instead of Jordy Nelson, but that's that's totally fine. (laughs) you know what that's because i
2: was the funny thing about that is i was searching for some way to insert something about jeff janice and i was like wow i can't remember his name so i must have just uh in a freudian slip there inserted jeff janice for jordy nelson because we all know that if used correctly jeff janice could have been jordy nelson
1: yeah uh, of course
2: (laughs) um Since week nine, Mike Gasicki has recorded three end one performances. Are we on the precipice of a third-year
1: breakout? It's possible. I mean, it's just, again, it's uh, hard to know what is going to happen with that Miami offense. You know, Uh, just who's going to be their quarterback, uh, how much are they going to rely on their wide receivers? It's just, it's hard to know, but you should be encouraged by what you've seen out of him, uh, especially in the last month. Right, and... His ADP,
2: at least in seasonal redraft leagues, is not going to shoot up to some crazy level. So he's another player. You just kind of remember him in the back of your mind as you're drafting next season. Perhaps he'll pick up some hype. Who knows? Uh, But just a name to keep in mind. We talked about the Browns earlier. I did want to follow up by asking you about Odell Beckham. Another rough game for him. Is 2019 a lost season for Beckham?
1: Uh, I mean... Big picture, probably so, um you know, like he's not going to approach what he did in his first three seasons, like you know even if he goes on a tear he's he's not going to get there um but i I think so two things, one, it's still important for him to to build chemistry over these next few games uh with Baker Mayfield, and then specifically in the matchup he has coming up this week against Cincinnati. Um, They're without, they being the Bengals, are without number one cornerback, Dre Kirkpatrick. And without him, they've started using uh, Willie Jackson as a shadow corner, which I think is kind of a little bit weird because I just, I don't think he's talented enough for it. Um, and, uh, you know, they used him in shadow coverage last week. And I think he gave up like a hundred receiving yards and like 10 receptions. He was targeted 11 times. Like he was clearly exploitable. And if they choose to use him as a shadow corner, uh, against Beckham, like I could see Beckham having a pretty big bounce back game, especially because the team would maybe be motivated just to get him the ball a little bit extra anyway. So um that is uh something I'm I'm going to be uh keeping an eye on just to just to kind of see um a little bit more like if I actually think they will use uh Willie Jackson in that way but so like I will be I will be looking at least at uh OBJ's uh yardage props uh and receptions props uh coming up for week 14
2: which uh reminds me I should mention that your fantasy season might have been might have come to an end. Hopefully it didn't. If you played Nick Foles, it probably did. But you can still get in on the action to make the most of Sundays by going to mybookie.ag. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay, pick your locks for the week, put them together in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be huge. Don't sit there just washing from the couch with nothing to gain. MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and get you back in the game. So head to mybookie.ag right now. You play, you win, you get paid. Matt, are you aware that Leonard Fournette led the Jaguars in receptions with nine yesterday?
1: Yeah, it's a crazy world. (laughs) D.D.
2: Westbrook was second on the team
1: at five. What in the world? Yeah, I mean, this is what happens when uh, you have quarterbacks who don't mind checking down. And, you know, Leonard Fournette is a much better receiver than, you know, he kind of gets credit for. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. I don't know if I'd say he's better because it's not like he's great, but uh, he's at least capable of not dropping the ball uh, and getting a, you know. Modest amount of yards after he catches it, uh and you know for some quarterbacks that's good enough, yeah,
2: well, the interesting thing about fournette too is if you look at his career, he has uh gone for thirty six receptions then twenty two he's at sixty five this year, so we've really seen an explosion in his reception totals, but like you, I agree. You might not frame him as a great receiver, even a good receiver, but he's certainly capable, and you can be confused by looking at him and his size into thinking that he's not the type of player that you can use as a receiver. Granted, we should not be seeing a usage like that. Uh, Kind of a big-picture question on Fournette. As we look ahead to next season, do you expect him to be functionally uh, similarly in a fantasy context, I think that you could expect a reduction in the targets. He's at 81 and naturally the receptions, but I should also point out, he only has three rushing touchdowns yeah. this season. So I think it's going to be one of those things where it might be easy to say, all right, he's not going to be as involved as heavily as a receiver next season. I need to downgrade him a little bit, but I would expect that that uh, rushing touchdown number would come up to offset the impact of the negated receptions.
1: Yeah, totally agree on that. Um, he will score more touchdowns. I think it's also possible that he could see, uh, more carries next year. Um, cause maybe the team would be a little bit better, even if they're not like he had 20.6 carries per game as a rookie and he has only 18.3 this year. Like it, he could bump up another, another carry. Um, even if he sees fewer targets, he might be more efficient with his targets. So uh, in his first two seasons, I think he averaged around, uh, yeah, I'm looking at now 6.6 yards per target. And then this year he's at 5.5. So he could see some, you know, like positive regression there. Uh, So yeah, I think Leonard Fournette basically will be next year, whatever he was this year, probably with more touchdowns, fewer receptions, but that balances out.
2: Joe Mixon, 17 points in four of his last five games. Are playoff teams confidently trotting Joe Mixon out this weekend? We've kind of seen a bit of a tale of two seasons with him with all almost all of his production coming in the second half. And Cincinnati beats down the Jets over the weekend.
1: Uh, so to address your question, uh, there is no such thing as a playoff team that has Joe Mixon on it. So, <laughs> n- no, playoff teams are not starting to mix them. But let's say, like, if someone managed to trade for him later in the season. Um, I mean, the I don't know. Like, the matchup against Cleveland, like, it's, it's okay. It's not great. Uh, in Week 15, there's the matchup against the Patriots, which is really not good. Um, and then uh, Week 16, he has a great matchup against the Dolphins. I would say, like, I... I'm imagining if there's a team that actually made it to the playoffs with Joe Mixon, they probably don't need to start Mixon. Um, but man, week 16, if they actually make it to the championship game uh, and he has a chance to go against the Dolphins, like the Dolphins are horrendous against running backs, both uh, in run defense and also in pass defense. So uh, that would be kind of the sweetest of all matchups. Um, I mean, he's getting, he's getting a minimum of 15 touches per game and it's closer to 20 you know like some games he's actually gotten up like a, a couple of, like in week 10 he got up to 32 touches in that game which is just ridiculous and like an outlier but um he has 25 touch upside in any game he plays so, I mean, it's hard to be excited about any player in that offense and then a running back who has to operate behind the offensive line that he has, but he's just getting so many touches that uh, I think it gives him a pretty decent locked in floor.
2: Well, so here's an interesting thing. Um, running backs against Cleveland in the last five games, not including um, this weekend's where I actually don't know off the top of my head how many points Benny Snell had, but I think he had a decent outing. James White twelve, Phil Lindsay fifteen, Devin Singletary eight, Jalen Samuels fifteen and a half, Kalen Billog doesn't really count at three point six. So haven't been any great performances there. Although there really hasn't been a running back that you expect to really break loose. Um, owners could play him, but definitely not a slam dunk this weekend. Lamar Jackson, uh, I have in my notes here on the sheet, just absolutely incredible. And I'm not saying this to bring up the shtick, but just you know another awesome game. Um, The Ravens themselves looking tremendous. Do you think the Ravens are winning the Super Bowl this year?
1: I mean, I I would just say no because the odds of any team winning the Super Bowl this. So I'm sort of you know not addressing the question, but I mean at this point they're the Vegas favorites to win. Yeah, and um, they deserve to be. I do think that their uh, their odds uh which are anywhere from like 240 plus 240 is what i've seen so you can probably shop around and find you know a better number than that but um that is still inflated you know considering that they have to get through the chiefs they have to get through the patriots uh you know and then they still have to get through an nfc team uh to win the super bowl and you know that would maybe be the 49ers Uh, whom they just beat, but, you know, they beat them by three points and they were at home, you know, so on a neutral field, that's a coin flip. Um, I mean, the Ravens are super impressive. And what I think is actually most impressive about them, at least recently, has been their defense. Um, Since, uh, I believe, the last five games, they've had their uh, cornerback triumvirate of Jimmy Smith and, you know, the recently acquired uh, Marcus Peters, and then Marlon Humphrey in the slot. And that's like really remade their defense and changed what they can do with those guys. They haven't allowed more than 20 points to any team. Uh, and they've played some pretty good teams. Uh, like I think on average, they've allowed around 12 points per game with those three guys. Um, you know, that's not to say that that's like the skeleton key of what you would expect moving forward, but, um, I don't know, man, their, their defense is just so good. And then obviously on offense, um, they're the number one running team in the league. And I normally don't think of running as really being all that impactful either way, but they do it so efficiently and so inventively that they can still pick up really good yards and control the game while doing it. And then like we've seen opportunistically that, uh, Lamar Jackson can be pretty good throwing the ball too. Um, so, I mean, I, I like the Ravens a lot. I think they do deserve to be the front runners for the, the Bowl, but it's, it's a hard path for any team to get there.
2: I completely agree. You know, um, there's probably a little bit of an overreaction to the Patriots, (laughs) at least around here, you know, losing, uh, to the Texans again, I obviously think the Patriots could challenge the Ravens, but right now I, the chiefs could too, you have to assume though. I think that if you're needing to pick a team that you would say is most likely to win the Super Bowl, it's looking like the Ravens. Uh, As you said, the running aspect of their offense does matter. And a lot of that has to do with just the ways that Lamar Jackson can supplement and augment that uh, rushing attack. So it's been really fun to watch. Again, I was super wrong on Lamar Jackson. Um, It will be very, very interesting if we got to see, I think, a 49ers, Ravens rematch in the Super Bowl and rematch of this regular season game as would a playoff game between the Ravens and the Patriots. So we will certainly be talking about Lamar Jackson a couple of more times before the season's end. Tyler Higby, with 107 receiving yards and a touchdown had seven receptions against the Cardinals over the weekend. Of course, Gerald Everett was sidelined for the Rams. Is this just a product of playing the Cardinals or could we expect similar if Everett remains sidelined and Higby is the go-to at the tight end position for Jared Goff in LA.
1: I mean, I don't think we can uh, expect a hundred (laughs) yards and a touchdown from Higby, uh, you know, anytime soon. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was before, uh, you know, before this last week, Everett had uh, been playing fewer snaps and part of that was, you know, maybe injury, but Higby is the more complete player. And in college, he was still a, a pretty good receiver too. So, Um, he was playing more snaps. They were using him more just in terms of like their game plan. Um, yeah, I, I think it's hard to say in that offense that like one player has overtaken another player because like, I mean, at this point now it looks like Robert Woods is the number one receiver and in two weeks, you know, it could be Cooper cup once again. So it's just kind of hard to know what's going on with any of the players in that offense. But, um, I mean, at a minimum, one, we can say that, uh, Higby has potential, but then, you know, like to the larger point of like, is this Arizona? Yeah. This is just what it means to play Arizona.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Higby's certainly good. Um, but I don't think that this performance means that all of a sudden he's this transcendent tight end. Um, I would consider playing him, though, if I do find myself in a situation where I'm looking for a tight end. But the matchup certainly helped. To close things out for this week's episode, Cortland Sutton with two touchdowns in Drew Locke's first game. Does this further confirm what we've talked about before, that Sutton is a good player, perhaps a really good player? And did you have any takeaways on Drew Locke? I'm not sure if you got to see much of the game.
1: Uh, no real takeaways on Drew Locke. I mean, I don't think that he looked all that great. Uh, But, you know, it was just his first NFL game Um, and he was going against a defense in the Chargers that I think is actually pretty decent. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's okay if a guy doesn't look all that great in his first NFL start uh, against, you know, a a tougher matchup. Um, Cortland Sutton is really good and I don't think it should be a surprise. Like he he flashed a little bit last year. Um, I thought he was a great NFL prospect. Um, I think like the guys I compared him to were, uh, Alshon Jeffrey and like a bigger, more athletic Michael Crabtree. Um, maybe another way of thinking about it would be like a slightly less athletic Kenny Galladay. Like, I, Mm -hmm. I think that is, that is kind of the player that he is. Like he's a good downfield guy. Um, I think they could use him more in the slot if they wanted to, but I like, I think they can move him all over the formation. Um, But uh, yeah, I I mean, he's, he's pacing for well over a thousand receiving yards. um, And it's just his second season. You know, he catches touchdowns. There's, there's almost nothing to dislike about him except for the team that he's on.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Uh, You know, an interesting thing, When you're talking about, uh, you know, moving a player like sudden into the slot, this has nothing to do with anything. But I used to always find when I was playing Madden that I very rarely could use the guys on the outside. So I would always move my best receiver into the slot. I would just like to see more NFL teams routinely move their alpha receiver into the slot. Just, uh, you know, a couple times a game, see what happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, so he has 10.2 targets, sorry, 10.2 yards per target this year up from 8.4 last year. Um, you know, scoring more touchdowns on a a per target basis, um, you know, catching a higher percentage of his passes. Like, there's just, there's a lot to like about Sutton. Um, I mean, he's probably going to finish the year with around 1,200 yards receiving, something like that, like in that ballpark. Um, and that's in, I'd say, like a pretty negative situation where he had three different quarterbacks, none of whom was really good throwing to him. Um, I don't think his situation will get any worse or like significantly worse next year. Um, And it could get a lot better. Like um, I I mean, Sutton is sort of like a guy that's going to be hard to acquire in dynasty, but I mean, it it would not, it would not surprise (laughs) me if he's a, um, you know, like a top eight uh, dynasty receiver for the next five years.
2: Yeah. Well, there's a lot to like with, and that's true. I hadn't even considered, um, I was obviously going to mention, you know, the, the quarterback play, but being rather consistent playing with three different quarterbacks, all in all really speaks to, um, the type of player that he is. And I think it might eliminate some of the fears or the concerns that you could have about him. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap up for this week?
1: Uh, not really. It's just, you know, uh, the, the fantasy playoffs you know, so good luck to everyone there. And I would say like, just, um, I mean, this might sound stupid, but like, don't like, don't change your process. You know, I mean, like whatever your process was that got you to this point, uh, I think you just continue to, to do what you do. Um, I mean, the one thing I would say is like, and I, I, people probably know this, but like, if you, if you feel you are an underdog in your matchup, then I think this is like the one instance in which it does make sense maybe to change your process a little bit. And to uh to shoot for the ceiling as opposed to just kind of like being fine with settling for players who are like quote unquote good enough.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that. And of course, everybody can use the um, Rotoviz weekly GLSP projections where we have uh, floor and ceiling projections to help with that. I'll leave us with this. According to GLSP, Matt's boy, Mike Evans, projects with the highest average PPR projection of the week, so hopefully he can rebound off of a somewhat lackluster Week 13 performance. And that will do it for today's show. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at MattFBOracle. And until next time, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.